0: RadioCalusa.com Welcome to the June episode of A Garden Runs Through It, a podcast of the UC Master Gardener program of Calusa County, produced by RadioCalusa.com. I'm Jerry Hernandez, your host and coordinator of the Calusa County program. On today's episode, I'm joined with Master Gardener Sandy Camp. Sandy, tell us about yourself.
1: Hi, Jerry. Uh, Well, I've been a Master Gardener for four years. I started out my love of plants and nature in college, and I got my degree in environmental horticulture. Unfortunately, life took a different turn, and I ended up not being able to do that for a living, but um, I was lucky enough to hear about the Master Gardener program, and I thought this might be a wonderful opportunity to get me back involved with plants. Thank you, Sandy.
0: Is coming to an end and June brings some gardening chores. What should we be doing in our garden this
1: month? Well, in June, in your garden, you can still plant seeds of things like marigolds, zinnias, cosmos, and even sunflowers. You can set out your transplants of perennials like yarrow, verbena, black eyed susans, and dahlias. If you're growing a vegetable garden, you can plant seeds of pumpkins, squash, and corn, and also you want to be sure to water early in the day to conserve water and minimize plant diseases, and to regularly check your sprinklers and drip emitters for needed repairs and adjustments. Make sure that you monitor your soil every day in hot weather to be sure you're irrigating enough. Use a metal rod to push into the ground. If it goes in easily, the soil is moist. Before the full heat of summer arrives, mulch your beds to control weeds and to help control moisture. Thank you, Sandy.
0: So the Master Gardeners of Clusa County have some upcoming events. We have a demonstration garden now in Williams at the Education Village. We planted eight varieties of tomatoes. This way, you can compare each variety. We have determinate and indeterminate. We have slicers, a little yellow pear, and canning tomatoes. So come out and see it. We also have varieties of tomatillos, basil, sweet peppers, and hot peppers, along with some flowers such as sunflowers, cosmos, and zinnias. For the first time, we will be at the Williams Flea Market on the first Friday of every month, starting June 4th from 9 a.m. to noon. So come by and see us. We will be at the Founders Day in Calusa on June 19th, and we will also be helping with the Farm to Fork Dinner on June 24th. What do you want to talk about today?
1: Well, today I want to talk about one of my favorite plants that's in my own garden and in the gardens of lots of people all around the world. And that's lavender, lavendula. Lavender is a very old plant. It is found in many, many places around the world, including the Canary Islands, Europe, across northern and eastern Africa, the Mediterranean and southwest Asia to southeast India. The English word lavender is generally thought to be derived from the Old French lavandre, ultimately from Latin lavare, meaning to wash, referring to the use of infusions in plants. Now, an infusion is when the process of extracting chemical compounds or flavors from plant material in a solvent such as water, oil, or alcohol. By allowing the material to remain suspended in the solvent over time, a process called steeping, like you would with tea, and infusion is also the name for the resultant liquid. The infusion is the oil. The infusion is whatever liquid you made it with. You can do it with water, oil, oh, or alcohol. Okay. Okay. And you put the plant the plant in it, um whether it's the flowers or the leaves. Okay. And the, the liquid is the infusion. Okay, got it now. The lavender is a fairly short-lived plant and in some areas actually considered an annual. I think in our area, which I believe we're in zone nine, it usually lives about five to seven years. Okay, lavender are frost-hardy perennials. The roots survive under the soil in winter, even in freezing temperatures. The shallow roots grow best in sandy soil or rocky conditions with good drainage. They do not like to be wet. They want it dry. Areas with poor drainage can cause root rot and potentially kill the plants. Plant lavender on mounds in wet areas and amend the soil with peat moss or other organic matter to improve drainage. The lavender grows about Between two and three feet tall, it has flowers that are on stalks. A single flower head called an inflorescence. The flower head is made up of multiple tiny flowers. Lavender plants bloom in summer and can be white, purple, blue, and lavender. And I have seen several places where it said yellow. We saw a yellow one recently. I would love to see a yellow one.
0: Yeah, it was uh, kind of a pale to medium yellow. It wasn't a bright yellow. But it was very
1: pretty. Oh, I bet it would be. The aromatic flowers are dried or distilled to extract the scent. At the end of the flowering season, seeds develop on the flower head, but the seeds of the lavender are very hard to propagate. It's much easier to propagate the lavender from soft wood cuttings. You can take about a three to five inch section of the green stalk in late spring or early summer and put it right into the soil. Lavender grows in our area really well because they can stand extremely high temperatures. They can take some humidity, but the hot temperatures really help them to remain dry and to avoid root rot. They can actually take full sun, and it's very rare in our area for anything that says it can take full sun to actually be able to take our full sun. But the lavender can do it. It is sun loving. Um, the more sun that they get, the better that the buds and the bush itself will be large and full and beautiful. They can't really take a lot of shade. They could take some, but it's really best to plant them in full sun. One thing that I find in interesting about the lavender is that you'll actually prune it in the growing season. So right after it stops blooming, you're going to want to prune it back by one half to two thirds of the plant. You want to go down to where you leave about two to three inches of green wood above the woody stem. It should be obvious that you can see that the bottom of the plant is woody and the new growth is soft and green. So that's where you're going to want to um, cut it off. Lavender plants will have one or two bloom times when fall arrives. You want to prune them back at this time after the, the blooming is done and make sure that you reduce the watering in rainy weather. You'll want to make sure that when winter comes that you want to decrease the amount of water that the plant is giving, but do not allow the soil to dry out completely. While the lavenders are drought-resistant, mature plants produce more flowers when watered regularly. Lavender has many uses, as you may or may not know. It is used in the culinary world, and mostly what they are using is English lavender, which is a true lavender as an aromatic. It has a sweet fragrance with lemon or citrus notes. It is used as a spice or a condiment in pastas, salads, dressings, and desserts. Their buds and greens are used in teas, and their buds, processed by bees, are the essential ingredient of monofloral honey. Now, monofloral honey is honey from one source. And of course, that's really difficult to get the bees to only go to one plant, but they claim to do it in Spain. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. For cooking applications, the dry buds, which are also referred to as flowers, are used. Lavender greens have a more subtle flavor when compared to rosemary. Though the potency of the lavender flowers increases with drying, which necessitates more sparing use to avoid heavy, soapy aftertaste. Chefs note to reduce by two-thirds the dry amount in recipes that calls for fresh lavender buds. Lavender buds can amplify both sweet and savory flavors in dishes and are sometimes paired with sheep's milk, goat's milk, and cheese. Lavender flowers are occasionally blended with black, green, or herbal teas. They're used in baked goods, in desserts, and they pair especially well with chocolate. Uh, In the United States, both lavender syrup and dried lavender buds are used to make lavender scones and marshmallows. It can be used to make bread. It can be used basically in almost any recipe that calls for rosemary. Lavender can be used decoratively in dishes or spirits as a decorative and aromatic in glasses of champagne. And in savory dishes, giving stews and reduced sauces an aromatic flair. It's also used to scent flans, custards, and sorbets. Sandy, Mm -hmm. I had... Lavender
0: fig jelly one time. It was the best jelly I have ever had, and I've never been able to find it again. That sounds delicious.
1: The flowers yield abundant nectar from which bees make a high quality honey. They really, really love lavender. That's really why we put it in our yard. And we make sure uh, we take care of, of our plant because we want the bees, whether they're honeybees or native bees. We want them to have some place where they can find nectar and they love it. You can also candy the flowers, which are sometimes used to make cake decorations. And also you can make something called lavender sugar. Lavender buds are put into uh, sugar for about two weeks, depending on how you like the flavor. And This allows the essential oils and fragrance to transfer. Then the sugar itself is used in baking. Although I suppose you could also use it in your tea.
0: (laughs) Ooh, or on your toast. Yeah, yum. Ooh, that sounds yummy. I'm going to have to try that. Thank you, Sandy. You're welcome. Thank you. So I had the privilege of touring your garden the other day. Yes, she did. And I've always wondered what was behind that hedge.
1: <laughs> we have a very <laughs> tall hedge.
0: <laughs> and so tell me about some things that are happening in your garden right now. You know, with the dry winter, like what's better than normal and what is not as good as normal?
1: Last year, we had a, a big problem with our vegetable garden. Part of it was the wildfires the smoke and the ash. We ended up with about six tomatoes out of the entire vegetable garden. That was all. Yeah. So it was really a disappointment. And But this year, with the little bit of rain that we had a while back and the nice warm temperatures, our garden is just going nuts. We've got tomatoes on every plant. We only have four. All of our squash is budding, and it's just wonderful to see that it's doing so much better this year. And hopefully there won't be any wildfires. Yeah, we'll cross our fingers. <laughs> yeah. And our lantana is going nuts right now. Um, it was have, beautiful. It, it is so pretty. Um, we have the lavender lantana and the gold and then the red, which the red, there, I don't know if, if you noticed but they're little circular disks of individual, of small individual flowers. And on the red ones, they're red around the outside. And then the next row in is orange. And then the next row in is yellow. They're so beautiful. It is just going crazy this year. The bees are all over it. And it's, it's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, it was gorgeous.
0: In my yard, I have, I, I talk about my roses, I think every single time we do this. Because I have 18 roses and their first flush of flowering is over. So they, I've got them all deadheaded and now the new uh, growth is coming out and I'm going to have some more flowers and I'm all excited. I got all 18 um, pruned back during the winter and they look better than ever. And then I have an artichoke. I have one artichoke plant. I got 10 artichokes this year. I've wow. never had 10 artichokes. I left the last two to bloom because they're so pretty.
1: I like doing that. They're just, they're so unique looking. And, you know, if people don't know what an artichoke looks like, it's in the thistle family. So it looks like a ginormous thistle. It does. When they and, have flower, yeah. you get the purple and top. it's purple. Yeah. Yeah, very <laughs> it's pretty. It's very beautiful. I love those.
0: Yeah. And then I planted, um, maybe a month ago, some creeping thyme. Because I have very little lawn and you have very, you don't have lawn either. No. There's a little patch of grass in your. Yeah, but but I'm sure we'll
1: get rid of that soon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I have uh, two small areas left, well, the backyard and one small in the front. And so in some of the dirt areas, because I still have a lot of dirt areas, I planted creeping thyme in two different colors. So I'm uh, diligently watering them right now because even with any drought tolerant plant, The first year, you need to water it and get it really established. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And they're doing good. And I can't wait for them to start spreading and flowering. And I've got two different colors. So it'll be fabulous.
1: You know, we um, also have a large oregano bush in our yard right now that is just starting to bloom. And literally, like, each bloom on top of the oregano, which maybe the bloom is about an inch and a half long, maybe, We might have two or three bees on each one all over the bush. I have never seen so many bees on an individual plant before, but they sure do like oregano. They like hollyhocks, too. Yeah, we have those on the other side of the yard. Yeah, (laughs) Um,
0: You know, we have a native bee expert in our office and she was on last month. So every time I take a picture of a bee, I have to go in and show her. So we have, I have five different native bees that we have um, identified in my garden And that I'm so excited about that to have native bees there.
1: I'm going to have to start paying attention to that because I've never tried to identify the different kinds of bees that we have. We do have a lot of carpenter bees, which are the big, giant, black ones. Yeah. Now, have you seen a gold one? Yes. The I gold one's say the male. That. Yeah. Oh. It's
0: the male. And it's um, kind of, I don't want to say rare, but not as prevalent as yeah. the females. No,
1: we might see three or four in entire spring and summer. Yeah. And fall. We might see three or four. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Look for that golden carpenter bee. It's the boy. Oh, I didn't know. Good to know. Yeah. Thanks.
0: And some of the other bees, you know, if you're not paying attention, you probably think that they're honeybees Mm -hmm. because they sort of look similar. But when you start taking pictures and looking up close, you can see the differences. I'm going to sure look into that. And my Shasta daisies have buds. I'm always excited about my Shasta daisies.
1: Ours are just opening and they're probably three and a half to four feet tall right now. And they're just stunning. They're just so beautiful. Oh, and my agapanthus.
0: Mm. I have a blue one, a white one, and a blue and white one. And they all have buds. One of them has 10 buds. I've never seen this many buds on one of my agapanthus. And I can't wait. They're always ready right when fair starts, which makes it really hard for me to pick one to take to fair. But I usually find at least one to take in because they're just opening. And I'm just so excited. The one plant has 10, and I believe that's the white one. And then the the blue and white one is younger. It's not as big as the others, but I've got five buds on it. Now,
1: on the blue and white ones, are they each one bud that opens is going to be blue and white? Or yes. how does that work?
0: The, both colors are on each flower.
1: Oh, wow. Each individual flower. I've never seen one that had two colors. Well, it's kind of new.
0: We got it at the farmer's market. And uh, three of us master gardeners picked them up. And so we call each other when they start blooming. <laughs> hey, you your blue and white one. <laughs> yeah, it's so fabulous. Neat. So, yeah, um, it's actually
1: from Sunset. Oh. It's a sunset plant. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, great. Good to know. What else is going on in the yard? Anything? Um, Our sweet peas are just going nuts. They're about five feet tall. And we've never grown sweet peas before. My husband did it from seeds. And just went out there and sprinkled them around and built a little uh, contraption, I guess you'd call it, for them to grow up through and then not tip over when they're five feet tall. But they're just stunning. So many colors. So many colors. Yeah,
0: sweet peas are kind of special. They just come out in the spring and they're like, wow, look at me. I'm
1: a sweet pea. (laughs) And after it blooms, it does get the little pods on them that look just like peas. They do, yeah. And, you know, that'll be our our flowers for next year.
0: I have zinnias blooming. Now, I always thought zinnias were like, but come to find out, I just wasn't watering them enough. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily take a lot of watering, but once I changed to drip irrigation instead of hand watering, mm-hmm. everything in my garden looks so much better because they're getting regular water instead of me going, I guess I haven't watered in six days. I probably should do it. Yeah. So, yeah, the zinnias are looking really nice, and I'm glad about that. Now, in our demonstration garden in Williams, our early girl tomatoes have tomatoes, little green ones. So we're really excited about that. In about 20 more days, we should have red tomatoes.
1: And what are you going to do with the vegetables that are growing? The vegetables are going to be donated to different food banks. Good. That's a great idea. Yeah.
0: With eight different varieties and two of each variety, we're going to have a lot of tomatoes.
1: What else are we growing in the demonstration garden? So we have maybe
0: seven or eight varieties of basil, also seven or eight varieties of hot peppers, and then about the same as sweet peppers. We have three different tomatillo plants. We have an epizote, and I apologize, I know I'm not saying it right, but you Cut off a little branch and put it in your beans when you're making them and they make them less gassy. Mm. And then we have a white sage that we're hoping my Native American friend will come and show us what to do with uh, what Native Americans do with sage, with white sage in particular.
1: Oh, that would be very interesting. Yeah. So
0: we're going to have a lot of things coming up eventually.
1: That sounds great. Well, thank you, Sandy.
0: Your, your yard is really nice and I was glad I got a tour of it.
1: <laughs> thank you. It was nice to have you there. Yeah, thanks. So we had
0: one question this last week, and it was on his apple tree. Now, apples and pears, and I have a pear, so I knew exactly what it was. It was fire blight. You just, in the middle of a branch, you get these dead, almost black little branches. It's just, it's so obvious. And... You need to look it up. Go to ipm.ucanr.edu and look up fire blight. When you go to prune it out, you have to prune at least a foot away from the last bad looking part and you have to sterilize with bleach your pruning shears every single cut or else you're going to be spreading fire blight and apples and pears are very susceptible to it. And I had a bunch this year, too, and I got in there last week and got it all pruned out. Good for you. So that's what our question this week was. For more information or insightful tips and gardening hints, visit the Master Gardeners of Calusa County on Facebook or visit our website, cecalusa.ucanr.edu. Remember to sign up for our monthly gardening newsletter. A link will be in the notes of the show. Do you have a gardening question? Send an email to glhernandez at ucanr.edu. Sandy, thank you for joining me on another episode of our podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to A Garden Runs Through It a podcast of the UC Master Gardener Program of Colusa County, produced by radioclusa.com. Until next time, keep those hands dirty. lusa.com.